Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Father, I lift up Kurt to you as he uh, brings your word and your message. Father, I pray, Lord, as we hear the words of Paul and how he prayed to you, how he talked to you, Lord, Lord that we would use that as a model to, uh, to talk to you, how to pray to you, how to intercede on others' uh, behalf. And Father, right now, I lift up um, Bryant's mom to you, Miss Iris. Father, that you would be with her and... Um, that you be with the surgery that uh, she has going on. Lord, be with the doctors. Give them wisdom and guidance to give them steady hands. And, Father, uh, be with everybody that will be uh, taking care of her afterwards as well. Uh, Father, I pray that we would have the ears to hear and the eyes to see your word tonight. Lord, may we make the uh, necessary changes to live in light of your gospel, to live in light of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mr. Kirk? Well... Um, do you have any questions about this morning before we dig into? I I think um, reconciliation is uh, one of those things that you you know you have a part to play, and the other person has a part to play. Um, there's there are issue, there's an issue that all of us need to be aware of called boundaries. You know. Uh, I don't actually have any authority or control over another person. Now, you know, some, you know if you obviously have children at home, that's a, that's a different issue. But in other words, I, I can't make a person reconcile. That's, that's not, an, God doesn't give me the authority over another person. So I, so I can't say, uh, you and I need to get together and work this out. I, I can try, but the other person can say, I don't want to you know, or, or whatever. Um, but in forgiveness, forgiveness is something I do, uh, regardless of the other person's response. I, I think whenever, whenever we make forgiveness conditional on their response or, or you know, what, whatever, it's like, um, uh, it's, it's fairly common to hear people say, I, if they ask me, I'll forgive them. You know, which is, you know, I mean, well, that is, I mean, that's the way I think the culture works. That's the way our culture works, is if you say you're sorry, or, or if you, it, I have grandchildren, sorry, they're tweeting me, right? <laughs> right <there. laughs> um, and so that's why Moses went up on the mountain. <laughs> no, I don't ever lose my train of thought. But I think it's one of those things that I think it's an action we take to forgive regardless of their response. Now, that's not to say, now, when you forgive somebody, that is not saying it's okay what you did. That's, that's not, you're, you're not saying it's okay, do it again. That's, you know, and you're not actually approving of the issue or, or the offense or whatever it is, but you are choosing to live like Jesus to forgive those who have not asked for it, to those who don't deserve it, who those don't make any promises, you know, that sort of thing. I think uh, that's one of the issues that I think, um, uh, I, well, I, I, don't want, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, criticizing the Catholic Church, but but when, when Protestants came out of the Catholic Church, 
one of the things that was an issue, and we, we talked about it a little bit last week, is the idea that you were not forgiven until you went to the priest and you confessed your sin to the priest. And then the priest would say, give you certain things to do. And after you completed those things, you were to consider yourself forgiven. And, and it was that kind of thing. And so uh, I think some of that still remains within uh, Protestant Christianity that what, I, what I'm, I'm naming it, the conditional forgiveness model. Uh, that's also not to say that our sins don't matter uh, to Jesus. I mean, you know, I, I'm not saying, well, you know, <laughs> I love my grandchildren, don't you? Well, you don't even know them. How do you love them? You know, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and so, once again, that's why the book of Leviticus was written. Just seeing if you're with me, that's all. I'm just. See, so, it's, a, it, it's one of those things. Religion is I do the right things and God does this. Christianity is God does this and then I do the right things. Now, I'm, we, you know, you could have two people sitting in the same church and both of them living moral, uh, moral life, doing good things, and one doing it in order to earn something and the other doing it because they've already received it as a gift from God as an act of grace. And so our forgiving other people, whether they uh, say they're sorry or not, is, is an act that we do in obedience to Christ for our relationship with Him. Reconciliation is another, that's another step. I mean, you know, that's another issue. Anybody else who want to give a shot at the old ball guy? Just don't ask me who wrote Hebrews, because I have no idea. Yeah. Okay, well, if you don't have any other questions, uh, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. For those of you that this is maybe your first time here uh, doing uh, on the Sunday night, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Um, we've been looking at them because we can know these are um, within the will of God. We know that this is the will of God. When you pray Scripture, like like this is listed, you know it is uh, the will of God, and you don't have to wonder, uh, is this really what God wants? Because you know it's, it's in here. Now, uh, one of the things that occurred to me um, in, in, before we get into the, the, to this text was that there was a, uh, when I first got saved, uh, I, was, I was married and had two children. I was working in business uh, up in uh, Union, South Carolina, and uh, so when I first got saved, I watched and listened to any and everybody that was on, that was on the radio or on TV. Y'all remember radio, don't you? They used to have programs on radio. I, I would listen to, to radio sh uh, programs, the different preachers that were on there. And then if they were on TV, I watched them. And during, that during this time, we're talking about um, like 1971, 70, 71, somewhere in there. Um, when I, when I was watching that, the only people on TV were Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, uh, Robert Schuller, and uh, a Pentecostal preacher in Union who 
he yelled a lot on the radio, but he was a Pentecostal preacher. So I listened to all of them. So you can imagine, here I was thinking, possibility thinking from Dr. Schuler, you know, and, and I was worried about going to hell with Billy Graham. And, and then the Pentecostal preacher wanted me to speak in a language I didn't already have. And, and, and so it was the other kind of thing. But I remember in Oral Roberts, watching Oral Roberts University, uh, I'm watching Oral Roberts, uh, his crusades and all, and all of that, that uh, he quoted a verse, I, I think it's in Second John, where he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you, your soul may prosper and you may be in health. And that was, you see, I remember it. That's, that's how, and that, and that we're talking 40 years ago. But, uh, but it's, in, it's in the scripture. I wish that your soul may prosper and that you be in health. And what he said was, he said, that promise, that was a promise of God that he wanted everybody to prosper and for everybody to be healthy. Now, do, do you see it? You see my point? See, you can pull scriptures out that are specific scriptures, and you can't just pray those and say, well, Paul prayed it for Philemon, or, or John prayed it for somebody that he was writing, so therefore, I know God must want me to be rich. Is that true? No. You know, Jesus, the, uh, he was poor, right? So we know that's not an example of praying scripture. When you're praying scripture, you don't want to go to those verses like that and then translate them into some early understanding. Can you imagine uh, one of the guys that I'm uh, connected to? I was talking with Ray about it earlier. One of the guys I'm connected to lives in a country called French Guinea, which is in Africa. He is, he is about as poor as you can get. Uh, I mean, he, he, had, uh, he had his church burned down. The, the Muslim people burned his church down. But uh, it was just wood and, uh, you know, just a, a shack anyway. I and mean, wasn't that hard to burn it down. And uh, he burned that, they burned his shack down. And then he was trying to build another place to have his church. And people were attacking him. And uh, they lived together with, to, uh, in, for safety and all that stuff. And he said, I'm claiming the promise of God that he wants me to prosper and to be in good health. And, and I'm thinking, well, no. This, this is... This isn't going to happen to a Christian pastor in a Muslim country. Uh, his prayer might be, God, help me live till tomorrow. Lord, Lord. and so, so the, the prayers that we have, we, we should be praying things like Miss Iris for Bryant's mother. We should be praying those kind of things. But if you really want to know, what, what should I pray for myself that, and for my church and for my family that's, that's a far, um, I, don't, I don't want to say better, but a far deeper prayer that you know has a, a greater impact on your life for the rest of your life. And that's what these prayers are. Like Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians, he says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now, uh, let's go ahead and read. Uh, let's do the next one up there, Dick, if you don't mind. The next one is in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And here's what he, he says. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back and look at, at the first one. There's a, there's a couple of things in here in both prayers that you could pray for yourself and for your church that I think that you, you, know, you can know God is at work in you personally and in your church to bring these things to pass. Where the, the first one says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week. And I think maybe the week before that. But it's important that you understand the difference in unconditional love and conditional love. Some say you beat that to death. But I really think it's something we need to grasp. There are four words in the Greek language for love. You know, we only have one in English. We say, I love ice cream. You know, I love my grandchild. You know, I love, you know, Carolina or Clemson or whoever you pull for. Well, in the Greek had four words. The, the first word is the word storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. That's family love. Anybody that's in your family, when you, you talk about loving your family, that's storge love. The second kind of love is a love that's called eros. We get our word erotic from it. It's romantic love or, or sexual love, that sort of a thing. The third word is the word phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O. Uh, it, it's commonly translated brotherly love. It's like the love that you have for someone that's not related to you and maybe somebody that you're not you know, in love with. Uh, it's, it, to me, phileo, storge, and eros are all conditional loves. Um, Storge love is I love you because you're in my family. I love you. I love you too, bro. <laughs> no, I love you because you're in my family. That, that's storge. And it, the condition is we're related, you know, either by, you know, blood or by marriage, that's, that sort of thing. Then eros is I love you because you're good looking or I love you because, I, you know, we're romantically involved or, you know, or, or those sort of that once again, conditional. And then um, phileo is I love you because you're, you're a friend of mine or, or, or you're my neighbor. Or, or maybe even maybe even because we go to the same church. It's entirely possible to have, which is all three of those are conditional loves. The third love is agapao or the word agape, A-G-A-P-E. You see it a lot in, in English. But what it means is it's, it's more than unconditional love. It is love that has no conditions. However, the purpose of this love is the welfare or well-being of the other. It's totally oriented towards the well-being of the other. And see, most of us, I, I think uh, eros, uh, storge, and phileo, I think anybody could have those kind of, of loves or affection or, or love for, for other people. I think it's entirely possible for uh, a, a couple that, that are atheists to love one another. But, but I, I, don't, I really don't think it is the agapao, agape type love. I think the agape type love, the agapao love, I think that is only possible when the Holy Spirit lives in a person and produces that fruit in that person's life. You know, the, uh, the, when you look at the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, the first fruit is love, and it's agapao. And so whenever Paul is praying here, he says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. 
Now, he's, who is he talking to here? Anybody know? He, yeah, he's talking to the Christians at the church in Thessalonica. In other words, that's, that is a group of people who are disciples of Jesus who live in this town, Thessalonica, and have formed a church there. And he's saying to that church, I want you to love one another unconditionally, seeking out the welfare of one another. Now, a lot of churches, you know, I, you know, I get, I get to, um, well, yeah, I get to, I get to, I get to speak at a lot of different churches, and there are a lot of friendly churches. There's a lot of churches that are very friendly, but some of them are only friendly to one another. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, you know, it's like during the, you know, I think Bryant did, a, you know, that family of God. I'm so glad I'm. Well, I. I I didn't get to look around too much there, but, but it, sometimes we only say hi to the people that we already know. You know, that sort of a thing. And, and it's one of, those, one of those things that I think God is saying in this prayer here, if we pray it for Highland Park, we're praying, God, I would like Highland Park to have the kind of love that has no conditions. The kind of love where every member of this church is not just... Um, affectionate towards the other members in the church, but actually is pursuing their well-being, their welfare, wanting, you know, doing what we can to bless the other, blessing one another. So that's what he says right here. Pray that you increase and abound in love for one another. That's one of the one another's. They're, they're like 52 one another's. Uh, in the New Testament, it's kind of hard to find them all, but they're, they're the one another's. And most of them are carried out in the context of a local congregation. But then Paul kind of enlarges everything by saying the next verse, I mean the next words, yeah, I want you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Now who is excluded from all? Nobody. Well, let me read it to you. From the, I'm going to read it to you from three other translations. You don't have these, Dick. I didn't tell you I was going to do it. I'm sorry, Mark. I should have told you about these. You know. By the way, great job this morning, Mark. The way Mark put all that stuff together and you guys ran it, man, good job. Um, in the New American Standard, this verse is translated, May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people. That's the way the New American Standard translates. The Holman Christian, which I think is the, pool, the Pew Bible here, the Holman Christian says, May the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. And then the NIV, which uh, it, it says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Now, this is where we have the challenge you know, the, the, the challenge is, how do I love people that I don't like? How do I love people, not just that I don't like, but how do I love people that I really wish would go away? Or how do I love people that I wish there were fewer of them and more of us? You, you understand what I'm saying? And so that's where you've got to tap into what, what love really means, love is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It really isn't. Love, love is concern and actions for the welfare and well-being of another person. 
And so you don't have to like everybody, but it's possible to be concerned for their welfare, for their well-being. I, I, I was challenged with this. Uh, back, you know, the church that I pastored last was River Bluff Church. Uh, before, before we were River Bluff, we were Midland Park Baptist Church. And uh, when I, we were still at Midland Park Baptist Church, I remember that's when Desert Storm happened. Wasn't that in 91, somewhere around in there? Uh, Desert Storm happened. And I remember one Sunday, I prayed for Saddam Hussein to be saved. I, I, I did during, this, during the service. I said, Lord, I don't like that man. To be honest with you, I wish a bomb would drop on him. But I'm asking you, Lord, if you would save him. Because if you would save a guy like him, imagine what it would do. And that's what I'm praying for. Well, I had people take me to task after that. How could you possibly pray for him to be saved? I said, I wasn't inviting him to be in my family I was inviting him to be part of the kingdom of God. I wasn't inviting him to dinner. I wasn't approving what he does, any of that. But I'm, I am concerned for his welfare, that he knows Christ. And that is the hardest thing in the world, I think, for us to do as Christians. Because we are, we are so tuned in to conditional love. You know, the, those who live like we do, act like we do, those sort of things. And so Paul is saying, look, I want you to increase in your love for one another and for everyone. Now, I, I will tell you, if, this is Kurt's opinion, if you, um, I hate to use a word, but if you feel or if you are certain that you are loved, it's easier to love others. Do you, you see what I'm saying? You know, I, I had a, um, an experience at, at Midland Park where there were a couple of folks that, that just said they never saw their family, never had anything. You know, their family never came to see them and some things like that. And, and we talked a little bit about it. And, and I, I kind of connected the dots that uh, this person was one of our... Uh, you know, there's, there's some people in the church that if Jesus were to come today, they'd ask him why he didn't come tomorrow. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just no matter what you do, it isn't going to please, you know. Well, she, she was kind of one of those people. Wonderful. I mean, I loved her. I really was. But I kind of put two and two together that the, she was missing love in her life. And that's, that was how it showed up over here. See, so that's why your love for, for not just the people in the room tonight, but the other members of Highland Park Baptist Church, your love for them serves as a foundation from which you can love the unlovable. Does that make sense? So it's not either or. It's not only love those like us, and it's not only get outside and love all those other people. It's both of those because the love that you have here. Have any of you ever read a book called His Needs, Her Needs? It's a, I use it in premarital counseling and in postmarital counseling. It's a, it, it talks about, uh, uh, it's, the, the subtitle is, How to Have an Affair-Proof Marriage. And it talks about, you know, the husband meeting the five basic needs of the wife and the wife meeting the five basic needs of the husband. It's really, really very good. Book. But in there, they have a concept called the love bank. The love bank. Uh, to give you an example, 
when, when the husband comes home and the wife's had a hard day and the husband says, hey, babe, why don't we go out to dinner tonight? You, you've had a rough day, and I know it's been tough. Well, let's just, we'll go out to dinner. Don't worry about anything. Well, that guy just made a deposit in the love bank. You understand? Now, if he were to come home and say, I know you've had a hard day, but I have too. Now, when are you going to fix supper? He just made a withdrawal. Do you understand? Yeah, I mean, he might have just wiped out the account altogether there. I don't, I don't know. But see, you're, we're, but see, all of us, not just in marriage, but in friendships, in every relationship, you're either making deposits or withdrawals. And so when, when someone in your church, you know, uh, has, has something going on and, and I don't know, you, you make a casserole and you take it over. Not because anybody called you and told you to, but it just that's something good to do. You, went, you, you made a deposit in the love bank. But see, what you're doing, though, is you're, you're building up the account of love itself in that person, which can then be transmitted to the other. It, the way that we love the unlovely is that we are loved. And the more we are loved, the more we're able to love those who are the unlovely. And that's how Paul can say, we want you to abound in love for all, for one another, and for all, just as, just as we do you. So that, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. You see what he's doing? He's taking our love for one another and our love for others to make us stronger. That word establish, that's the word about to make strong. Matter of fact, a couple of translations uh, translate it as strengthen. The NIV says, may he strengthen your heart. So isn't that interesting that the way our hearts are strengthened is by giving. We, we are made stronger when we give love. This is why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. He wasn't just talking about money. He was talking about attention or love or blessings or, or I, I tell you, one of the greatest gifts you can give someone is to listen. To listen. You know, this is one of my flaws is that uh, whenever somebody has, brings up a problem, I quickly think of three solutions. You know, and once again, my sweet wife helped me to know. My wife works three days a week now downtown. And so, and so I, this has been several years ago. She came in one night and she was talking about, you know, something that went on at work and everything. And, and I said, well, you know. Really, here's, how, here's what you could do. And I gave her like two, two suggestions. And then my wife glared. Y'all know what a glare is? Anybody in here don't know what a glare is? I can give you one if you don't know what it is. My wife glared at me and, I, and, and, and dumb me, I'm going, what's the matter? She said, well, I really didn't want you to tell me what you, want, you thought I should do. I just wanted you to listen to what I had to say. Yes, ma'am. No, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Because there, there are so many of us out there who, who are ready to give everybody advice and counsel and insight and go do this and go do that. But there are so, so few people who will actually listen, paying attention to what we say. 
You know, when I go to conventions, sometimes I'll run into some old friends, like at the Southern Baptist Convention. I'll go run there and we'll say, hi, how you doing? And the whole time they're looking over their shoulder to see who's coming around that might be more important than I am, you know. See who the next person to talk to is. Or, or the other one, you know, we'll go somewhere and I'll be talking to somebody and they'll be looking at their phone the whole time. You know, looking, wondering, who's that calling? And I'm thinking, do you need to get that? Please get that. See, listening, listening is loving. And we can do that for one another. Well, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there because I want to do something different tonight. Remember what I told you about Baptist hate, right? What a Baptist hate? Change and the same old thing. I'm going to ask you tonight to take some of the thoughts that I presented. I didn't get to the second verse. Um, but I want you to take some of the thoughts that I shared tonight and kind of group up <laughs> with two or three people near you and to sh- maybe share. I mean, don't you hate that word share? You know, share with one another. Uh, what I mean is to tell one another. You know, is, is this really easy for me or is this really hard for me? Or is this something you think that I need to work on? And don't be, be ready to hear the answer. Don't ask that if you don't want to hear the answer. But then I would, I would encourage you to pray for one another and to pray this prayer. Here's how it would go as you pray for one another. Let's say, I'm going to use my name in there, but you're talking about praying for one another. And may the Lord, you got, uh, which one's up there? Go back to verse 12, Dick, please. May the Lord make Kurt increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that God may establish Kurt's heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. See, what you're doing there, you know that's a prayer that God can hear. And you can pray for one another that way. Deal? Deal?